Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. In the great halls of USA Today, we assemble the newsroom's mightiest nerds, Brett Molina. I'm so sorry for the producer of this podcast. <laughs> Kelly Lawler. I will fight you on it. Brian Truitt. Spoiler town! <laughs> Together, they form The Mothership. Their mission, to harness their collective encyclopedic knowledge of nerdiness in all its forms, to dissect every trailer, plot twist, and game released for the geekiest of fans. The Mothership, saving the universe from bad comic book adaptations every Friday. All aboard the Mothership, the Geek Culture Podcast from the USA Today Network. Thanks so much for joining us, and happy Friday, friends. Happy Friday. Woohoo. Uh, let's meet the crew. I'm Brett Molina. I play video games. And the best streaming service for me is Hulu, mostly because that's where Scrubs lives. And it will likely stay there. Yay. I'm Brian Truitt, and I watch movies. And I watch movies on Netflix sometimes and TV shows. My name is Kelly Lawler. I watch television and objectively the best streaming service is hulu for a variety of reasons you can read on entertainment.usatoday.com nice plug if this is your first time listening welcome new episodes on the mothership drop every friday and you can subscribe for free on apple podcasts or wherever else you like to listen and while you're on apple podcasts it would be awesome if you could write a quick review about the show because not only do you help other fans who love nerdy pop culture find us as a special bonus we give you a shout out on the next episode so try it out uh, everybody wins. It's all upside for you. Don't forget, along with leaving a review, you can get in touch with us on Twitter. We're at Mothership Pod, or you can email to MothershipPod at usatoday.com. Really quickly before we get to this week's topic, we have a winner in our costume contest. If you don't recall, we did this contest where we wanted listeners to chime in on Twitter and share their best Halloween costumes and all that fun stuff. And the winner would get to choose the topic of a future Mothership episode. So congratulations to Ryan, I hope I'm pronouncing your last name right, Lancio, who shared an amazing pick of his kids' costumes in honor of the video game Portal, which to me is one of the best video games ever made. Um, and it is an adorable picture of his kids dressed up as Chell, who's the lead character in the game, but then also the portals that she uses to get through. So it's amazing. It's an incredible costume. Honorable mention to uh, a good friend of mine, actually, Danielle Turciano, who dressed her dog up as the car from Supernatural. That was also a lovely costume. Any any costumes of animals are, are wonderful. So. It was cool. It was great. So congratulations, Ryan. We are eagerly awaiting your idea for a topic of a future episode of Mothership. So stay tuned to that. We'll keep everybody posted when that comes along. So now let's get to this week's topic. Here's a clip. Look outside. Is the world more peaceful since the revolution? I see nothing but chaos. restore the natural order of things. Don't you agree? I 
I've never met a Mandalorian. I've only read the stories. That was from The Mandalorian, one of the new shows headed to Disney Plus, which launches next week. I can't believe we're already here. It's one of several new streaming platforms coming soon or available now in what is becoming a very overcrowded market. We're going to break down some of the newcomers, including Disney Plus, HBO Max, Apple TV Plus, and look at how they stack up against heavyweights like Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime and everything else that offers a streaming service. Let's obviously start with Disney Plus. $6.99 a month. You can also subscribe for a year at roughly $70. A bonus if you are a Verizon wireless customer or if you just got a Fios internet package, um, you can get it for free for a year, which is a pretty awesome setup considering all the stuff they're offering. Let's start with Kelly, our TV guru. What do you think are the big advantages for Disney Plus heading into this launch next week? The biggest advantage for Disney Plus is its library. So essentially all the streamers that are coming into the game are offering there are three things that they are advertising that will hopefully get them consumers. A back library, originals, and price. Disney has a good price and so far small number of originals. Um, they have two scripted live action series coming um, at launch date, The Mandalorian and High School Musical, The Musical, The Series. That is its real title, along with a handful of unscripted series and uh, some animated programming. But the real draw is the fact that it is the Disney vault opened to you in a way that it never has been before. It's kind of strange that their home video strategy, uh, which was to keep their classics like Snow White, Cinderella, Little Mermaid, anything... Uh, locked away and unavailable for purchase for years at a time and then create these marketing windows. They usually coincided with anniversaries or a direct-to-home video, Lion King 2, etc. Then they would, for a short period of time, allow you to buy the VHS and eventually the DVD and digital copies of the movies. And that actually paved the way for what is now the next era of Hollywood, which is direct-to-consumer video. And it is a huge advantage because many of us know and love the Disney classics and want access to them. And especially as I think Disney just starts to rehash its old stuff in theaters with like The Lion King in live action and all the other live actions and just lots of there's less Lion King animated features at the box office. There's Frozen 2 coming, sure, but it's just if you want stuff you know your kids will like, it's safe to show your kids, and you like to watch. There is no better streaming service than Disney+. And especially, they are able to get so many facets of nostalgia and across the biggest generations who are consumers right now. So for millennials, they're doing things like they've offered the Disney Channel original movies and in there, and they're reviving Lizzie McGuire. Um, that's coming in the next few years. Um, they have an ambitious plan going forward that has more Star Wars, more Marvel, and then other random series peppered in. And for Gen Z, they have various 80s movies available on there. For boomers, they have all the way back to Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, the very first feature-length Walt Disney film. So that is huge. Value-wise, if you wanted to own all of that media, it would cost thousands and thousands of dollars. So it is a huge value. I will say, though, that they're, without having been able to see The Mandalorian, because they're not providing screeners, 
their new stuff is not necessarily earth shattering. Um, the unscripted stuff is a lot of. If you ever watch Disney Channel, especially if you're a millennial, so if you ever watch Disney Channel during a lot of the interstitial little mini shows, like Mike's Super Short Show and all that stuff, um, they did a lot of stuff about like Disney Imagineers and how things work at Disney. That's essentially the whole basis of the unscripted programming, including some stuff like A Day at Disney. And it's all just like half inspirational programming, half marketing. Um, there's Encore, which is the Kristen Bell series. Uh, where older people recreate musicals they did in high school, um, which is, like, super weird and could be really exploitative, but obviously it's Disney, so it's just about, like, tears and stuff. I don't know. It was a weird vibe. It was... I like musicals, so that helps. Um, There's uh, the Jeff Goldblum series, which was actually originally a National Geographic pilot, but then in the... uh, When Disney purchased 20th Century Fox, they got National Geographic, and so it's now sort of a Disney Plus version of Anthony Bourdain minus the food part. It's more about travel and how products are made. And I mean, it's perfectly acceptable if you like things that where nothing happens. And it's uh, if you like Jeff Goldblum's mode in an interview, it's that writ very large. I think that's really the only reason most people will watch it. It's Jeff Goldblum talking about stuff. So, I mean, um, I would say their originals are on the weaker side, again, not having been able to see The Mandalorian, and validly there are many people for whom a the first live-action Star Wars series is enough, regardless of its quality. Um, I mean, it is coming from good people, from Jon Favreau, although he's never done television before. So we'll see. I'll be watching that the day of launch. The thing that struck me the most about Disney Plus's catalog is they had like this basically running tweet thread that came out probably a couple weeks before. And it was all the programming that they're going to have. And it was, I think, 95% of my childhood represented in that one thread because they had so much stuff there. It was incredible. Um, They also have The Simpsons, I forgot to say, which they got in the 20th Century Fox merger, which is a huge deal. And they'll have select 20th Century Fox films available on there. So Avatar will be available on there. Essentially, it has to be family-friendly programming. That's the whole, like mo of the service so the fx stuff for instance will not be on there that stuff's going to hulu which now disney effectively owns because they bought out fox's share and comcast gave up their controlling interest and i think also they own the rights to stuff like alien and die hard and all that so that's going to be interesting too to see where that goes that's yeah as of now that's not going to the service yeah i can't imagine they will keep some of these properties for for movies or to just hold on to to reboot them somewhere down the line, but they're not going to waste Disney Plus like time with them. Or yeah. they can just do like Disney Channel nonsense. Yeah, I mean the the sort of ad thing that they have going, where it's like Disney plus Pixar plus Marvel plus Star Wars plus National Geographic. That is the brand that Disney yep. Plus is. It's not everything that they own, mm. although it kind of seems like it is. Because yeah. it is a lot of stuff. It is a monumental amount of stuff that no one person could watch. Absolutely. Brian, um, is there one thing in particular you're looking forward to from Disney Plus or you're most interested in? Just, I mean, the Star Wars and Marvel stuff. You know, I, I'm not going to watch the Disney Channel movies. I mean, I might. I have a child. And and so she watches a lot of streaming. She, like, watches the Top Chef Jr. and, and that sort of, sort I love of thing. Top Chef Jr. If she tries things. And then. Any, and, sh- any reality show with Junior is pretty much going to be amazing. Pretty much. And so I've tried to get her into, like, other Disney Disney Channel stuff and other things. So, I mean, that's something that you can use to, like, okay, well, there's these other things that are kind of, like, family-friendly and you can get involved in them and, like, you know, try them out if you don't like them. You know, or watch some, like, old Kurt Russell, you know, show that we grew you know, or, you know, Disney 
movie that we grew up with. Wonderful World of Disney and that sort of thing. But for me, as a, as a consumer myself, I am interested in the Star Wars and in Marvel stuff. The the rest of the stuff, I think, you know, uh, more of my interests are going to be on like Hulu or Netflix or things like that. But I think that's why there's so many. That's why it's good. There's so many streaming platforms is because. You know, there's certain things for everybody. You know, every 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 service has something for everybody. But there's going to be certain services that that are going to be like your home thing. You know, home interests more than others. I think. Yeah. Talking on a business level, I mean, I feel like anytime these services come out, there's always that debate about the next Netflix or the Netflix killer or blah blah blah. Which you know, obviously, you know, that's kind of ridiculous because you know all these services have a place. But I think Disney, in terms of the out of all the newer stuff coming out recently, I feel like this is the one that's going to obviously have the best in terms of longevity, staying power, that kind of stuff. I mean, their library's crazy. The pricing, I mean, I'm still shocked. And I wouldn't be surprised if a year or two down the road, once they lock enough people in, they decide they're going to raise the price on Disney Plus at some point. They don't need to, though. I think that's and that's yeah. the thing. I think it's it's six ninety nine like a year, and then 70, which feels like a steal with everything they have. Yeah, and seventy bucks for like a, a year, or you know, for the whole year or something. But then there's also the the thing where it's like you get that and Hulu and ESPN two or or ESPN Plus or something for like what twelve ninety nine or whatever. Probably it like equals to Netflix. That's the closest thing to a Netflix killer, just because of you do have. All the family-friendly Disney stuff, you have to like the kind of more, not really risque, but just kind of like not family stuff. Adult. Who, adult, yeah, adult. Adult content, stuff. yeah. I don't know if Netflix is going to team with somebody. But like you see with HBO Max, you have like HBO and then like all like the DC shows. And then like you probably got a lot of CW stuff in there. And HBO Max is kind of like everything together too. And I think you're going to have more and more of these kind of streaming services team up with other stuff. So you don't have like a monopoly. Yeah, HBO Max is actually, to me, as a TV critic um, and person who has to try to keep up with everything, the scariest new streaming service. I get a press release from HBO Max like every single day. In fact, I send them to a former USA Today employee who now works for CNN, which is part of that whole big umbrella now because they had their own merger, um, to uh, tell her to get them to stop, get someone to please stop sending me press releases, and they should stop ordering shows without writers or actors or concepts and just based on old IP. They should <laughs> Only stop. Marvel can do that. Yeah, exactly. Come on. So HBO Max, since we're talking about it, so that comes out, I think it's fourteen ninety nine a month. Um, if you have HBO Go already, I think that gets looped in somehow. So what happens is if you have, um, if you buy HBO through HBO Now, which is the streaming only platform, or you buy it through DirecTV, which is part of the Warner Media umbrella. Not to be confused with HBO Go because. Yes, HBO Go is just the mobile service that all HBO cable subscribers have access to. But basically, if you buy it on the internet or you buy it from DirecTV, you get HBO Max. If you're like me and you get it from Verizon Fios or Comcast, you got to buy HBO Max separately. They want you to stay in the same corporate umbrella is the point. So they're losing money to Comcast and Verizon if you buy HBO through them. But if you buy HBO directly from DirecTV or if you buy it directly from them in HBO Now, you get HBO Max. So their lineup is really interesting, too, because they've got a 
ton of different stuff between HBO stuff, and then they have the Warner Brothers stuff, and then they have all this other TV. Also, the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, which has been noticeably absent from streaming for the longest time, and I'm really glad has a home now. But, um, I mean, they have a they have a pretty good library too. Do you, Brian? Do you think? They're on par or can be competitive with Disney. I mean, is Disney too big or what? How well, do you think they'll I mean, do? That's, well, that's the thing. I think Disney Disney is very big because it owns now the Fox stuff and it has like decades of like kid crap, which, which I mean, that, that's what they're going to have on this thing is going to be like if you have a family, get ready to keep this on nonstop. But but the Warner Media is going to have some family stuff, but it's going to have all the HBO stuff. It's going to have all the CW stuff because it's, it's going to have some of the CW stuff. Or, you know, most of, yeah, and then going I, but far, they're, they're very, the CW stuff is super complicated rights yeah. wise. But um, they're they're going to get a lot of CW stuff. They're going to probably like we might get old WB stuff because all that stuff is on like the seed, and I mean just anything, and then all the DC stuff. I think that's. that's I think they're they're sneaky in in what they have because I don't think I think they have a lot more than people understand that they have. If they deploy it, maybe not all at the same time, because Disney's deploying everything at the same time. They're yes. just throwing everything at the wall and be like, find something you want, you know. You're, and it's just like, uh, do I want to really wade into that? Probably not, because it's just it's a little scary about how much stuff they have. But if they make if they make a concerted effort, like kind of Netflix does, where it's just like, oh, we're putting this stuff on now. We're taking we might be taking this off, but we're taking put this on. If I think if there's something like that, that would help them. And just kind of like deploy things more strategically. Yeah, I think uh, there's lots of stuff in that umbrella that people don't realize. So Friends is going to be their marquee archive property. Are you a fan of Friends, Brian? (laughs) Hottest take maybe ever. Friends is a trash sitcom. I am inclined to agree with you. Trash. I am inclined to agree. That's just me. Carry on. Um. Kelly, I apologize. (laughs) We apologize. That was some hot sauce. It's fine. It's fine. I never had the Rachel haircut. I'm okay. But they also have Warner Animation, which is essentially Cartoon Network. It is that old, classic Looney Tunes, Animaniacs, the stuff that did compete with Disney. The stuff that, you know, the cartoons that I always, as a kid, kind of classified as slightly more mature, slightly more like, oh, the the 12-year-olds watch Cartoon Network and the 8-year-olds watch Disney Channel kind of thing. Um, and they're rebooting those properties, as one might expect. They also have the DC stuff that uh, Brian was talking about. And um, they're, more importantly, getting Greg Berlanti, who is the architect of the DC TV universe over at the CW and a remarkably successful showrunner in his DC shows and the shows he's created for television that aren't DC. Um, to create stuff for them instead of the CW now. They are brought over lots of stars, Ridley Scott, Elizabeth Banks, Mindy Kaling, Gina Rodriguez, Conan O'Brien. They have all of South Park now because, as we were saying, Paramount and Viacom do not have their own service. We'll see what happens. Uh, the Fresh Prince. They The HBO st- stuff is streaming on Amazon except for Game of Thrones and some other stuff, so they're going to have all of the HBO programming. It's going to be expensive. Is the thing. It's by far the most expensive service, $14.99 a month. Um, but I think 
they don't necessarily care if anyone gets it except the people who already get HBO, which already costs that. HBO, as a premium cable channel, is more expensive than a lot of these services that have a lot of things. But the idea is that HBO is, like, so good. It makes the best stuff. It's worth the extra money. So they're trying to maintain that sense of prestige while also opening up a much bigger fire hose of in the types of programming. You know, it's not going to be the small curated HBO that we know. That HBO is still going to exist for the foreseeable future, but they didn't call it Warner Media Streaming. They called it HBO Max. In essence, it is a package deal without actually being a package deal because it, you're getting like what you're paying for HBO, which is like $10, $12 or whatever. And then you're getting everything else for what? You know, whatever gets you to, you know, fourteen ninety nine after that. That's in a sense something that Disney doesn't have. Disney doesn't have that premium kind of like prestige banner to it. I mean, it's, it doesn't have like the Fox Searchlight, you know, part of its thing. Plus, here's the other thing about HBO Max. TCM is going to be real important with all their, all their classic movies and everything. That is something Disney is not going to have. No. That's going to appeal to, again, not families, but like old people who want to watch Casablanca or like Citizen Kane or, you know, The Shining or something. Warner Warner Brothers has tons of stuff with that TCM catalog. And if they have like part of part of HBO Max is going to, is all like, you know, classics for old people, that's going to move the needle. Mm-hmm. I also forgot to mention that The Big Bang Theory, which has never really been available to stream, will be part of HBO Max. Well, there we go. Okay, one other service that has just come out to is Apple TV+. Plus. Um, it is... I like Apple. I, Kelly doesn't like <laughs> it. I like it. So it's available now. It's four ninety nine a month. If you buy a Apple device, you can get it for free for a year. There's also the free trial, obviously. Which in that time you could probably watch all the content on Apple TV Plus because there's only like I think four or five TV shows and movies there. There's more coming. There's more coming. Right now there are four scripted adult programs, one uh, nature documentary, and three children's shows, and Oprah's Book Club. So a lot of these streaming services obviously got their start because they had a very huge catalog that they built over time, and then that's how they got people hooked in. Apple's very different because they really don't have a lot to work with, and you're basically gambling on the fact that the stuff they put out in the next few months is going to get a lot better. Is it going to work, though, with this little selection right now? Uh, no. <laughs> um, I it's, think got a, it's got a good price, though. That's the thing. It's got a good price, but it, it has no brand. Um, you don't know what you're getting when you uh, get it. You know, they could say sort of like big stars, but essentially their best show, which is For All Mankind, um, their marquee star is Joel Kinnaman. And um, no offense, but uh, he's one of the more forgettable, easily confused actors in Hollywood. I I call them the Joels. Him, Egerton, Charlie Hunnam. They're all the same dude. They're all Joels. Anyway, Apple thinks that everything they make is gold. It. It follows this post-Steve Jobs mentality that people will buy and like things from them just because they are Apple. And I compare this streaming service to the stylus pen that they did a few years ago that was roundly mocked by people, especially even quoting Steve Jobs saying that styluses were dumb. And, you know, it's not that it was a bad idea. It was just that it wasn't revolutionary in any way, shape or form. Styluses have been around forever as long as we've had like Palm Pilots. And 
they sold it like they had reinvented something, that they had come up with this whole brand new idea. Like, here's the stylus. And that's how they're pitching this television. They think they have the best television man has ever created, when in fact, they have television. They have some television shows, some of which are decent, some of which are really, really bad, none of which are transcendent. And it's just so hard to pin down. It's so bland. All their titles are so bland, like C, which is the Jason Momoa starring post-apocalyptic drama about a world where most of the population is blind. And then there are a few people who can see and they're considered heretics. But, like, what does C mean? Like, what does that mean? The morning show, that is the most generic title for something about daytime TV that you possibly could have. It all just feels so half-assed and, you know, sanitized. I, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And in C, speaking of sanitized, you know, it's not sanitized in C. A plot device wherein people pray, quote unquote, by uh, achieving orgasm. Wow. Um, yep. That's hundred <laughs> percent. How to put it in my review? So, two quick points on Apple. First off, um, it's weird seeing them launch Apple TV Plus like this because they also launched another subscription service called Apple Arcade, and it's five dollars a month, and it's got hundreds of games, and it's got a really great selection, and it's also ad free. So. There's a lot of benefits to being on this subscription, and the games are really good. And again, you're you're pulled away from that temptation with, like a lot of games have the uh, microtransactions where you spend a dollar for this and a dollar for that, and that's all gone, and it's great. So there feels like there's an incentive to subscribe because you have this really good selection of games, and you're not dealing with all the trappings that you would with a lot of other mobile games. Apple TV Plus is weird because it... It, it just it's coming off of the sense of streaming TV doesn't matter. But now that we're doing it now, you should really think about it. Right. And that's what I don't get, because it just feels like the total opposite of what they've done with the game stuff. And it gets to a bigger point where Apple tends to think certain things aren't important enough until they decide that it's worth their time. So, like, you know. The new iPhone, you know, they just introduced in iOS 13. They talk about like dark mode and it's like. Other platforms have done dark mode on their apps for the longest time. I mean, why is this so, like, new? It's, like, just treating it like it's such an important thing now because you're doing it and not realizing that it's been out there a while and it's, like, now you're just kind of catching up. But, it, again, it's – I just – I don't know how well this is going to do. There's just not enough stuff there and they're playing catch-up. And, yeah, you've got a lot of Apple devices out there. But, I mean, again, you can get through all this stuff in, like, the free trial and then you don't need to subscribe anymore. Like, what's the point? Just seems weird. All these services are interesting because you also have NBC with its Peacock service, and they haven't really given a ton of details yet other than it's coming next year. But it does get to a bigger issue of how does this affect a lot of the bigger players? I mean, Netflix is kind of an immediate first place to go to because a lot of the stuff that some of these um, platforms are hosting used to be on Netflix, and now Netflix loses a lot of their stuff which is why now we see Netflix with a ton more of their own original content, and they have all these new deals going. Um, are any of these new services going to make a dent in what's out there now, you, do you think, Kelly? Or is it just, you know, they'll they'll fit in as they fit in, and, and we just kind of see what happens? I think that from a stock game standpoint, Disney Plus will be problematic for Netflix. I think in the arms race to nail down creators and IP, 
there will be even more money thrown around until you can't throw any more money around. I think that one or more of them will fail. I think that we're essentially back in cable. People are fighting for syndication rights, essentially, to legacy sitcoms with 200 plus episodes. None of these new streaming shows are going to make 200 episodes. The longest running show on Netflix after it ends next year will be Grace and Frankie with like 72-ish episodes, which is laughable compared to the likes of Friends and The Office and Grey's Anatomy and Cheers. Yeah, the first show that comes up in my head is Stranger Things, and I think that full run is one season of one sitcom. Yeah. Basically. Network TV has been making 22-episode seasons for... Like, that became very short. They used to make 30-plus episode seasons. Go and watch the original Star Trek. It's streaming on Hulu. And there are so many hour-long episodes in that season. So there's going to be bundles. So like I said, we're sort of back to cable. There are going to be bundles, like Brian discussed earlier, with uh, Disney+, Plus, Hulu, and ESPN+. Plus. Although that is the ad-supported Hulu, FYI. It's not as good as a package as it sounds. And ESPN+, Plus kind of sucks. This doesn't really show live sports. Anyways. There are going to be bundles. There are going to be services that fold. But inevitably, what I think is that it's bad for television. I think that niche shows like Fleabag, for instance, are going to be even harder. It's going to be even harder for niche shows like Fleabag to get an audience. There's a show coming out on Showtime this month called Back to Life that I absolutely loved. It's a British show about a woman who um, returns to her hometown after a long time in prison. No one's going to watch it. Absolutely no one is going to watch it, except for me and Gary Levin, our TV editor. And there can be so much critical praise for it the way there was for Fleabag, but we're so busy. There's Disney+, Plus, there's Apple TV+, Plus, there are network sweeps, there's so much happening. And it's, it's just going to make things less relevant. It's going to have fewer moments of cultural significance where we all watch things together. There will never be another Game of Thrones again. You know, I watched Little Mermaid live on Tuesday of this week, and it was fun to tweet about it and to talk about it. And we're just going to see so much less of that. And it's going to make TV more and more irrelevant. It's going to make my job more and more irrelevant. And I think it's really sad. And I think it's really overwhelming for me as someone who does it professionally. What I think consumers are going to do are just going to pigeonhole themselves to whatever they decide they want to pay for. So television is going to get as siloed as you know other things that the internet has done like news you know what i mean people only read the news that they want to see people are only going to watch the television that continues to that they already know and like that is like things they already know and the reboots the ip races the reruns of friends that's all that television is going to be and i think this is this we call this a streaming apocalypse in jest but i honestly think this is the worst thing that has ever happened to television yeah, I think, well, you know what's interesting is movies, I feel like, is kind of, and this is kind of with Avengers, where I think movies is also what TV used to be, where it's like, you know, everything released at a certain time, and then that's when everyone would watch it together, and, you know, with this era, it's like everyone's just kind of watching when they watch, and yeah, like you said, I mean, it's, everyone's just going to go with what they know, and so that's what everyone ends up watching. You know, there were 
like back in the day, the three big broadcast networks, and that's all you had. Yeah. And they commanded huge audiences for event shows. You think of like Roots and stuff. And and that's a bit what movies are like with like these big event movies that have like significantly less cultural significance than Roots. No offense to the Marvel Martin Scorsese debate. I think one can agree that Roots was a slightly more evolved uh, programming than Avengers Endgame. A little bit. But it's the same point. Yeah, that's where we're going to find our collective experiences fewer times a year when people think that they can spend the money on it because they're already spending money at home on Disney+. Plus. I think we're going to get to a point where, you know, yes, we have a lot of streaming options now, but I think we are going to get to a point where we're only going to see, like, a couple of these services really survive. I don't think it's going to be... Netflix has a foothold. I think Hulu has a foothold. I think Disney will have a foothold. And I think it's yeah. all based on just the content they offer. But I think of some of these smaller ones, like, are you going to want to pay extra for NBC for what they have? Do they have enough to carry their own streaming service that people will subscribe to? Well, they have a few months to just continue to reboot things and send me press releases that make me want to crawl into a hole and die. <laughs> NBC, please don't do this. Um CBS and Viacom, do they have enough stuff that people would want to subscribe to them? I mean, I love CBS All Access. I love it. They make really good shows. It's actually like very finely curated programming and it's going to die in a couple of years, unfortunately. RIP the good fight. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we're hitting a point where you kind of have a sense of the of the services that are going to last. It's just a matter of how long do all these other ones last? And then there's going to be a battle for that programming, too, in terms of streaming. So... Yeah, it's just, it, it's going to be interesting the next couple of years, like seeing what falls off by the wayside and what survives and how that shapes how TV goes. Because one of the one of the other benefits, too, of all the streaming stuff is, you know, a lot more programming gets made. And I think programs that maybe that we see now, you probably wouldn't have seen five, ten years ago because there just wouldn't have been a platform for it. Yes. And there there is the argument to be made that that is a good thing for television. I just think that that era is almost over. I think we ha- we're we in that era right now where things that wouldn't have been made were diverse voices, where people who wouldn't have been given a chance to raise their hand are getting to raise their hand. But I think that's about to end because people are going to start falling further back on existing IP and directors that they know and love and the Game of Thrones guys. And I think that the harder it is for niche programming or quote-unquote diverse programming to find an audience, the easier it's going to be for Hollywood to dismiss whole groups of people as audience members and creators. Yeah. I hope it doesn't happen. I'm just incredibly cynical. It's it's tough because, yeah, there's just, there's just so much out there. And it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this, again, how who survives and who doesn't and how that shapes everything down the road. Um, but we'll see. Okay, listeners, it's your turn. Um, are you excited for Disney Plus or HBO Max or Apple TV Plus? or any of the zillion streaming services out there. Um, is there a show you're looking forward to most? Let's talk about it on Twitter. You can find us at Mothership Pod, or you can tweet at us individually. I'm at BrettMolita23. I'm at Brian Truitt. And I'm at KLLS, K-L-A-W-L-S. Don't forget, you can email us too. We're at MothershipPod at USA88.com. That'll do it this week. Thanks so much for listening. Special thanks to our pilot slash producers of the Mothership, Shannon Green and Natalie Boyd. If you like the podcast and don't want to miss an episode moving forward, you can subscribe to the Mothership for free. And while you're there, please, please leave us a rating or a review. It helps other people find the show, and we really love the feedback. If Apple Podcasts isn't your thing, you can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts, you'll find us. Until next week, nerds out. Nerds out.